0: All right, and we are back again with another episode of the IDP Guys Waiver Wire Show. Week two is concluded. We are happy to have you all here. It's myself, Michael Scully, joined here by Axton Harding. You can follow both of us on Twitter at our handles right below. If you're watching on YouTube, if not on, if you're watching through audio, it's Michael underscore underscore Scully and Mm -hmm. Axton at at Harding underscore three. How are you doing today? It was this this week too, felt crazier than week one which honestly doesn't even feel possible
1: right yeah I agree man and weird week one was really weird and this one just kind of continued on in its own little way uh you know we had some big showings but also a bunch of kind of disappointing uh performances as well and uh but yeah i'm not doing not doing too bad right now this last week of vacation uh kind of enjoying my time with the with the little one and the wife so not doing too bad how you been doing this weekend?
0: I mean, I, I was doing okay, and honestly, as, as a Steeler fan, it's it's remarkable about how little I care or even thought about the Steeler game relative to everything else that happened. Like, the Jets, the drama, the Cardinals drama, the slaughter, even, of the Bills, the, you know, the Bills slaughtering on Monday night and all that, and mm-hmm. even the Vikings coming up short, and Jalen Hurts looking like an MVP. Like, it's it was an insane week two of comebacks and collapses and all that. It was wild to watch, but all that comes down to waivers now, right? We're going Mm -hmm. into waivers. It's week two, the frenzy of week one of now we have, uh, now we have stats. Now we have actual footage. Now we have week two. We got two weeks of it. It's a little bit more and just as important. So we're going to go through the defense first as just as we did last week. And then we're going to go to offense, take some questions. If you have any questions, be sure to comment them down below. We'll try to get to them at the end of either defense or offense, depending on what you comment. Um, and we already have a few in the chamber, so let's just let's just jump right into it. Axel, what's your number? What's your number one defensive lineman for week week three? I guess now.
1: Uh, I was looking at D, uh, Darren Payne, defensive defensive tackle for Washington. He's had a sack in each of the first two games.
0: actually can uh can we hear you i can't hear you we might be having some technical difficulties here on defensive lineman number one but i'll, I'll tag in while we have while and tries to figure it out and we have this lovely face jumping in right here deron Payne, defensive tackle uh, alabama prospect uh, from a few years back now he's always been a good player and he's always been flashing at getting to the ball but it's it's kind of always a little bit difficult when you're that defensive tackle position. But we do know there's a different Washington unit. There's a Washington unit that had, you know, it doesn't have Chase Young anymore. They have much of sweat working the sides, and they're utilizing their linebackers a little bit more than they had in recent years with Jameen Davis. Do you want to hop back in with Deron Payne if you had more points with him?
1: Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. I got a call and threw me out of the the stream. So, yeah, I I think where I left off, he – Darren Payne, or Darren Payne had a sack in each of his first two games this year, and a couple of passes deflected. So he's staying involved on in that line. And uh, with seven tackles last week, four being solo and three assists, that that's a pretty high tackle uh, tackle game for a defensive lineman. That's what you like to see with those guys that are uh, on the front line and involved. Uh, he also has favorable matchups coming up in weeks four through six, even through week eight. Uh, all teams that have given up two to five sacks a game, giving him prime opportunity to get to to, get to the quarterback. The only uh, exception with that would be the Cowboys and Cooper Rush, who's really only been on the field uh, as a starter for a game. Uh, he only got sacked once last week, but uh, nonetheless, <clears throat> still an encouraging matchup uh, coming down the line. And let's say that's going for the next six weeks. Uh, He's going to have, he's going to play into opportunity.
0: Yeah. I, I, I like you for everything I mentioned while you stepped out there, because he, I, he's always been that good player. And it, it, when all kinds starts to come together, when that talent and the production comes, I do like to chase that combination. Uh, thank you for the question, Casey. We're going to get to that at the end of the defensive section. So I don't want you to make doubt you. We are not overlooking that. I just want to make sure you know that. Uh, second defensive lineman pickup. We're going to double up a defensive tackle this week. And it's going to be, Chris Jones, Chris Jones of, D, of the Kansas City Chiefs, might be on your wire because he is a defensive tackle. If he wasn't, you know, he might not be because he has always been that freaking guy. He's he's just that good. He's always been a dominating pass rusher at defensive tackle, and with at pressuring from the edge, as well as you know the the general pressure that Spagnola's defense kind of brings together. At uh at cornerback, especially with a cornerback we're going to talk to about in a little bit, a guy like Jerry Sneed, just to spoil a little bit, they know how to bring pressure, and that really helps interior guys like defense like Chris Jones. Pressure from the inside when you have threats from the outside from quarterback from linebacker, it's all over the place with Spagnuolo's defense. He racked up two sacks on Thursday Night Football against Justin Herbert. He faces Tom Brady next week with that struggling Buccaneers line. I think he's a very good play, you know, that that's worth throwing a few bucks on. Any any thoughts on Chris Jones, accent?
1: I can keep Being a Chiefs fan, I I kinda like that combination of Carlaftis <clears throat> on the outside and Chris Jones on the inside because Chris, Chris Jones has always been in there making quarterbacks uh nervous, you know, on a week in and week out basis. And to have Karlaftis coming out and you know what like keeping that pressure on them and their blind spot and just kind of always they they got to watch from about every direction with this line you know what i mean and it seems like even with uh the, with the league's premier offenses they can still manage to conjure up some sort of uh scheme and get the job done and still get two tack- or two sacks on Justin Herbert so uh, I like I kind of he's more of like a stash for me, you know, just kind of see how how if it, if they can continue this level of play. I don't know that I would immediately throw him into a starting lineup, but with one more week of kind of the same and similar production, where these guys are really getting involved and uh, you know getting hits on the quarterback, passes deflecting, things like that, I I wouldn't I'd say as soon as week four I'd, he'd be in my starting lineup.
0: Last week we recommended George Kalafos, who. Still got those snaps, still got those pressures, but didn't get to the quarterback. So that was a bit of a miss for this week. But obviously, Quiddy Pay came through. Big day for Quiddy Pay, as it always is, because he's a good player. Dominic Robinson was our third name. He did not exactly pan out because he didn't see the jump in snaps. So that was something we noted if you tuned in, was that he hovered around that 40% and he exceeded his expectations. He kind of did the same exact thing this week, around 54% of snaps, and still got to the quarterback, still logged pressures. But without the snaps, you know, you you have such a small margin of error with guys like mm-hmm. Karloftis where they can both are getting pressures, but one of them's on the field with a higher chance of getting it, getting you know making those plays actually happen. So, uh I, I I'm I'm willing to cut bait on Dominic Robinson. It was a hopeful type of thing until we see the snaps go up. I think George Kalafos. I'm willing to afford one more week at. Uh, at we're gonna we gotta let's see. Let's move on to linebackers, the meat of the idp position last week we recommended uh hill who had a shockingly bad game honestly and i i do expect a full bounce back for him uh frankie Luvu, who was probably a number one pickup who had yet again another huge day and avoided the kind of the mistakes that he made last week so he might be a true season-long asset hope you guys listened and picked him up last week and nicholas morrow who still logged a lot of snaps Didn't exactly come through with the strongest day, if I if I remember right. Had like eleven tackles. Okay, well then I'm completely wrong and I'm misremembering. Yeah, he did have eleven tackles, tackle for a loss, and played hundred percent of snaps yet again. So that's there we go. Love to see that. that. Love to see that out of your linebackers. It's a very strong hit right there on the waiver. But let's move on to this one at the at the top of it. Before we get into one of these names, I'll let you go first, Axton. But just the names that you should not have on your wire. They might be for whatever reason, but D, uh, Divine Diablo, don't. We said pick him up last week. Push up, like pick him up. He is the full-time starter, regardless of Denzel Perryman. Denzel Perryman's not even healthy, and he is a true playmaker that this Raiders defense cannot afford not to have. So, yeah, he was great again yet uh, this week. He is pretty much a linebacker one moving forward. And uh, Cody Barton should be a strong linebacker too, played 96% of snaps this week. He's just going to have that valuable Seahawks role that we want. It's it, I, I do see a world that this fades throughout the season because Cody Barton's on an expiring contract and Seattle's season is not going to last too long. I can see them trying to work in younger guys, guys that have a future for them. But in the meantime and for the next four-plus weeks, Cody Barton is going to be a pretty, strong, uh, pretty reliable, a, a reliable guy that you can't start based on the workload he has. But as for week three, guys that actually are probably available on your wire, you want to take it away?
1: Yeah, absolutely. First up, we got Zaven Collins <clears throat> uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. He missed, unfortunately, missed about six tackles this week, which is not great. But it's also encouraging to know that the opportunity was there. You know, had he gotten those six tackles, his performance would have been a, a much better, you know, and it's not like... Uh, he's just not being, he's not involved and he's not getting the opportunities. Uh, so uh, he can easily make it around next week. What is encouraging is the fact that he did play every single snap. He's on the field every defensive snap 100% of the time. And he's done that for the first two games, both week one and week two. So moving forward, you know, yes, a little bit of a setback. I would expect him to bounce back next week if uh, he's sitting on your waiver wire. I'd go out and throw, you know, throw a few bucks at him and pick him up because he is going to be he's going to be someone that's going to give you a, a, a nice floor on your on your IDP side.
0: Yep, completely agree, and I really do like that pick because it just it it it, it fits perfectly what the Cardinals need to do, and it's got to stop the run. It's what they did last year, and the weird thing is with Isaiah Simmons, who. Played sixty-one snaps last week, and all of a sudden played fifteen this week. Regardless, Zayvin Collins still got ninety-six percent snaps last week, one hundred percent this week. They kind of—they're there. It's a thin linebacker group since they let Jordan Hicks walk on to Minnesota. Zayvin Collins has a good opportunity this year, regardless of how the Cardinals play, and he has every incentive to be out there. You know, he's a first-round pick for them. They want him to succeed with this regime, so all that kind of helps to make him a really good pickup. I'll throw out another name, and it's after the Willie Gay suspension. Leo Chanel, rookie, big boy at 255 pounds, is going to be taking over for Willie Gay, who was suspended for four games with a – I don't quite know what he was exactly charged with. He did a few bad things. I'm not going to get into it, but the bottom line is that he's not going to be out there for the next four weeks, pending maybe an appeal that I haven't seen. All that, all that means is that Leo Chanel, their rookie, their, I believe, second round pick is going to have every opportunity to fill in for a Chiefs team that likes to rotate their players. Like I said before, like we say every week, we want Nick Bolton to get 100% of snaps, but he doesn't because they rotate their linebackers. And Willie Gay got 92% of snaps last week. He put up 11 tackles. He had two tackles for a loss. He put up a QB hit because, again, the Chiefs use their linebackers in such innovative ways. Leo Chenal, a big guy, is able to take that exact role because he's the next guy up. He's the guy that they drafted to be the next guy up. So all that pans out for a potential breakout in the short term. And someone I really like as a good fill-in, if you did just lose Willie Yank, or if you just lost, I, I I don't know. If you're looking for a replacement on the wire, I think Leo Chenal is someone that your average league might not know, but... I think it's a very good play against the Colts this week as well. You know, very run-every team. I think the Colts have to bounce back in some way from last week. And what that means is more plays, which means more rushing plays because of the Colts and which means more tackles for Leo Yeah, you're exactly right. And with <clears throat> what
1: last week with the Colts, they didn't use Jonathan Taylor a whole lot because they were playing from behind. But with Michael Pittman coming back, I would uh, I would expect them to lean a little bit more heavily uh, on, uh, Jonathan Taylor since, you know, I, I, think they will put up a little bit more of a fight so they won't be playing from behind quite so early <clears throat> and with him running up the gut, he's going to run right into Leo. Exactly. And, uh, you know, he's going to get plenty of opportunity while I uh, really gaze out. Uh, the third linebacker we got on our list here is, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, he played 46 snaps in week one and 54 in week two. So he's getting a lot a lot of usage and a lot of opportunity uh and there's really no dominant just heads above the rest linebacker in detroit you know we, i think we mentioned anzalone last week and he he it, it's just kind of the best that they got you know he, he's he's out there and he's involved but he's not just out here taking opportunities away from everybody He's, he's so really I see. It's
0: <laughs> <He's laughs> really not good.
1: He's just he's just present a lot, right? Yeah. So, so your Malcolm Rodriguez, as a rookie coming in, is it looks like he's going to be able to carve, carve out uh somewhat of a role in Detroit. And if he keeps up uh, this level of production with 14 tackles through the first two weeks, uh, I can see him really, uh, you know, making a nice player out of himself early on this season. And <clears throat> especially with the efficiency uh that he's kind of had with the snaps that he's been given i don't see why he wouldn't get any more opportunity or why he wouldn't get more opportunities so i wouldn't for me it'd be kind of more of like a stash and see if you have uh if you have the room on your bench or something you want to add a little bit of depth uh, he'd definitely be one that could uh possibly find his way into your into your starting lineups down the road but i don't know that i would throw him in into the fire quite yet
0: I did actually bet on Alex Anzalone getting his over on tackles this week, which is five and a half, and that hit, good on good on that guy. So he's in my good graces right now. Uh, I, I, I do think he's kind of entrenched in that starting job for a bit, but, I mean, they, need, they don't have anyone next to him, I and mean, a lot of teams do use those two linebacker sets and have two linebackers be very relevant. So I think it comes down to how much we see Tracy Walker come in the box and things like that, um, but definitely someone I like stashing for sure. Uh, so that's our linebackers. That's that's what we got for this uh, for this section of the show for linebackers. Uh, what I quickly bring up, good old Marco coming in for. I appreciate you jumping in for two weeks in a row now. That he's going to pick up Diablo because he's still in this league. That's why we bring it up because there are leagues that the superstars, the studs, the guy that is Diablo now, and probably was before the season. We were talking about him as a sleeper in a lot of different articles. I know. Um, sometimes they sometimes they slip through and that's why we bring them up just to reiterate in case he is you know he may be just check your wire you know just in case mm-hmm.
1: right. exactly yeah you can't because uh every league's different and some you know some some leagues where this this guy might be a little more obvious it's always good to we try to throw out those names that that may not you know that you may not think about or that may not be as obvious in certain leagues and just to kind of Make sure, you know, cover your bases. If he's out there, go ahead and snatch him.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move on to defensive backs. Last week we had Nick Cross, which is my big name and won't lie. Really disappointing week two usage. Uh went from hundred percent snaps and went from all those box snaps, to all of a sudden being in a three-way timeshare. And maybe that's why the Colts got obliterated and embarrassed, Frank Reich. Maybe that's that's why you you took your 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 player off the field, but that's neither here nor there. Um you know, with defensive back being as deep as is, it's tough. It's tough. because the usage was really bad for him. But somebody that wasn't, and we hit on our next two picks in a big way, I think. Uh, Talanoa Ufanga is the reason why Fred Warner is not doing anything right now. Because <laughs> that man is balling out, looking like Troy Palomalo out there, intercept or almost interceptions called back, but just huge tackle plays. He seems to be everywhere on the team. Or everyone on the game. And I believe he's actually trained with Troy Palma. I, I was reading about that as well. Um I don't know. The, the hair runs in the safety generation. I say, I he's guess. got but, the he's got yeah. the hair. <laughs> but it, i mean, he was unbelievable last week. So I hope, you know, again, another name, check your wire because he's looking like a, a must-star type of player for the for the 49ers and four-year IDP lineups. And the last name was Josh Jones, the guy who's filling in for Jamal Adams, who played a lot of snaps and was pretty good, and was a will be a reliable starter. He ha- faces the same variable that we said about Cody Barton before, about maybe the Seahawks are working the younger guys who are under contract beyond this year. But in the time being, Josh Jones is, the, is a reliable guy. Low, I think he's a low upside, but uh, hot, I, I, or what's it, I, I think he could have a decent ceiling against in Seattle, where there's going to be a lot of plays running against him. I do like Josh Jones still. Uh, but defensive backs. So, uh, check us off for week three,
1: Astin. Uh, First, we got Julian Love, a safety for the New York Giants. Uh, according to John McRae via Twitter, <clears throat> he's lined up as an off ball linebacker uh, for about 62% of his snaps this last week. Which is actually very encouraging, uh, considering your DBs right? when they like when they get involved and get in the middle of the field and they're able to make all those plays. You'd love to see that. And even mentioned <clears throat> it might not have been John Mackrey that mentioned this, but I saw that he had the green dot. Him and McKinney were sharing that uh, on the, on the defensive end of the field. And again, another indicator that he's just going to be out there and be on the field all game long and lined up uh essentially as an off-ball linebacker the opportunity is insane and <clears throat> not to mention he was on the field for every single defensive snap and being lined up as a linebacker he was able to get seven solo tackles in a sack last week a game saving sack might i add yep uh And just in my opinion, in general, if you have a defensive back that's getting high tackle volumes like this, you've got to roster him, especially if he's able to carry that from week to week. You can't leave those guys on waivers. I wouldn't mind spending, I don't know, 5% of your budget, possibly more on him. If he's going to really be involved and he's got the green dot, man, you can't beat that for a waiver wire pickup.
0: I completely agree. And let let me just read you a headline from the IDP Guys newsletter from June. I believe it was June. I think it might have been July. But either way, follow your heart. Julian Love will be New York's sweetheart in the box. He is a good player. Again, subscribe to the IP guys newsletter. That's in the bi- a link in my Twitter bio. So be sure to check that out because you get amazing content like that months before it happens. Julian Love is a good player and he has the size to be this role. With Blake Martinez gone, I I really do like Julian Love. And the team likes him as well. Um I, I, I expect him to be ex- extended by the giants within a couple months he's just he's a good player uh another name richie grant safety of atlanta has always quietly been a good player in the league and never really got a ton of respect for it but in a team leading 10 tackles in week one four solo and six assisted he had followed it up with six in week two and again snap counts that's what we care about he had 60 plus in both weeks He's a good play with as as a stash. I'm not in love with him because I I think we know what Richie Grant is at this point, but he's a safe play against you know good matchups coming up in Seattle, Cleveland, Tampa, uh, San Fran. Those are all matchups that are good for safeties because of the high level of plays that they run against. Uh, both those all those teams are going to run a decent amount of plays and all of them are going to run them in ways that are favorable for a safety to get tackles, right? Is that fair to say, Axel?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're, when you're looking at Seattle and Cleveland and Carolina alone, you're, they are rostering three of the league's worst quarterbacks. <laughs> so potential is definitely going to be there for uh, for him to come in and make plays and, you know, just add up those tackles and get involved and help those quarterbacks make the mistakes that essentially that their plays- because you know what I mean? They're they're bottom of the league for a for a reason. And he can absolutely. Help. Absolutely.
0: Yep. Uh let's see. What uh we got we got a couple other names we want to throw out here. All these guys, we have one of these names I think that we brought up last week as well. Nate Hobbs. I know you wrote him down here for good reason as well. Um, do you do you want to take away with Nate Hobbs? Because I I, I knew yeah, was like something we should have been on the radar about last week, which I, I think we mentioned, but if not, double down.
1: Yeah, we might have briefly mentioned him, but through the first two games, he's got 20 tackles as uh, <clears throat> as a defensive back, and like we say, a cornerback, no less. Uh, we like those defensive backs that are getting those high tackle counts, and an average of 10 tackles a game is incredible for a cornerback. If he's out there, you want to go, uh, you want to go pick him up, and he's right now got actually the eighth highest PFF coverage grading of all NFL corners corners in the league. And that's if he's on your waiver wire as a and a top ten uh, PFF graded cornerback, that's a no-brainer. Go pick him up and and uh, reap the benefits.
0: Yeah, the good thing with tackling cornerbacks like that, especially when they have the PFF grade. Obviously, PFF grade is not getting you points, but it keeps him on the field because he's playing well, and that's just as mm-hmm. important as you know as as all these usage tests we're talking about. Uh, another name I want to bring up was Roger McCreary. I'm sure a bunch of people were noting him on Monday night because he ripped off four tackles on that opening drive. Finished with 11, and I've been debating with myself for a while of whether this is a flash in the pan. Uh, for he's he's, uh, he's their rookie. I believe he was their first round pick. If I'm not mistaken, their surprise first round pick. Uh, and Roger McCreary, he had four tackles in week one or. I, I, I don't actually have his weekend one numbers in front of him. But the more important thing is that he played 98.5% of snaps this week. And he played a lot last week. The Titans, I'll, I'll spoil everyone now, that this season is dust for the Titans. The Titans are not going to be contending. They have every incentive to keep their young player out there for that 98% role that he was pretty good at. And they really do like him. All reports are suggesting that, as they would with most first round. Yeah. Excuse me. Trail and Burks was their first open. Roger Perry must have been there. Uh, let me let me let me let me vet myself on that real quick. Um, accident. <laughs> Roger yeah, McCreary, yeah, Roger Roger McCreary. Either way, he, he's he's playing a good usage role for a team that cannot stop another team's offense, and that's something that's valuable to me. When there's just going to be so many plays going against him in cornerback leagues, I I, I think uh, Roger McCreary is somebody that we should be talking about. I don't think we really care about him too much in defensive back formats. I think he's still going to be a little bit too volatile for that, but cornerback mm-hmm. leagues, I think he's a name that we should absolutely be having on our, uh, on our radar. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> and like, so I think he
1: actually, if I remember right, he had, I think he did have a double digit tackles this last week. So again, <laughs> as quarterbacks with the uh, high tackle rates, you love those. Uh, the last, last mention, or last name we wanted to mention was Miles Bryant, uh, Defensive back for New England Patriots. Uh, It seems like he's won the slot job in New England. He posted eight tackles this week and actually saw a jump in his snap count from 53% last week to about 83% this week. He's getting more involved in that Patriots defense. And again, with the high tackle counts, you love to see those defensive backs getting involved and making plays. And he was definitely going to be one for
0: the New England Patriots, uh, <clears throat> that they're really gonna love to use this year. Yep, and that is our defensive content, but we do have some questions to get to. Uh, let's start with Slickven, who's one of our amazing subscribers who sent it to us before the show. Again, if you're if you do subscribe to the IDP guys, you do get access to our Discord channel, you get prioritized questions, you get to DM us, whatever you need to with all of your questions. It's a hell of a deal that you should be definitely checking out. Uh, So he asked, can Cameron Curl take the job back? Obviously, Cameron Curl has dealt with uh, that injury that's kept him off the field. And Derek Forrest has been a very capable stand-in. What do you think? Do you think Cameron Curl is going to get the job that he had? I think
1: Cameron Curl is probably going to come back to somewhat of a split, split role. I think Derek Forrest has performed probably too well for them not to get him involved in the offense. I, I'm not going to say that he's going to steal the role from Cameron, but I think we we talked about a little bit before the show, and I think that uh, I agreed with you when you said that uh, the commanders are just going to find a way to to keep Payne involved. It may not be in that position that Cameron Curl is ideally looking to come back to but they're probably going to float him around all over the defense, which inevitably will cut somewhat into Cameron Curl's time. Uh, it's just kind of a wait and see. You know, I'm not really diving all in on either one at this point, but uh, <clears throat> Cameron Curl could definitely still come back and and maintain his ro- and uh, hold on to his role. Like I say, it's just kind of a kind of a wait and see how it, how it plays out when Cameron Curl comes back, in my opinion. What
0: do you think? Yeah, no, I think you put it perfectly well. I think I, I've always liked Cameron Curl as a player. I think he is a good player, and that's why I don't think he disappears. But at the same time, Washington is off to a pretty darn good start, and I don't think they're going to take out someone who's been a big part of that. Their Force has played very well. He's forced, you know, he's got interception. He's posted the tackle numbers. He's gotten, he's forced to fumble. He's, he's been a big part of what they're doing. I think they're going to continue to ride that hot hand a bit and they might ease camera curl back a little bit from an injury as well. So, well, it's the type of thing. I don't want to play either of them when they're both active until I see the split.
1: Absolutely. And, and with guys coming off the injury, you really kind of want to be hesitant when you're, when you're talking about their returning from their first game back from the injury. Very few times are you going to see guys come, come back and just absolutely crush it in their first game. You know what I mean? So uh, just kind of, as we mentioned, temper your expectations and just kind of be patient and, and just kind of watch the situation and see how it unfolds.
0: Yep, completely agree. We've got another question in right here in the chat from Casey, asking about Rashad Weaver, the defensive end for the Titans. Some of that we brought up as Harold Andrews has gone, obviously sadly with that ACL, and that's a big reason why I think the Titans are done. But Rashad Weaver is the guy that is filling in, and obviously posted a zero last night. Now, it's a mixed bag of my interest in Rashad Weaver because he saw a career high last night because Bud Dupree was also knocked out with an injury. So I am am i i don't think he's that good of a player. That's that's my issue here, and that's kind of really important with these defensive ends because sacks don't just happen. Sacks are not really a usage stat as much as they are, you know, just you have to be a good player to get sacks, so, mm-hmm. or you have to be put in a better position to succeed, and I don't know if Rashad Weaver is that guy, especially if – You know, there's no one else taking away double teams. Harold Landry's not taking a double team. Bud Dupree's not here to take a double. Double team, Mm -hmm. and he has the usage. So I, I don't mind stashing him, but I couldn't bring myself to start him until I see some reliable production. What, what, what do you think?
1: That's exactly what I would, I would tend to agree with. Is, is, just. He's not someone you want to go ahead and abandon or dump, but you kind of want to put him in timeout of sorts, you know what I mean? Uh, He's getting all the opportunities. You just want to make him prove to you that he's worthy of that starting spot in your lineup, but I don't think he's warranted a drop just yet that usage and snap count is going to be important and it could turn around. Uh, Like you said, he's not just going to come out and be that's just absolute standout player, but he might give you a, a decent floor as the season goes along. So, I'm uh, not completely out on him, but I'm not. I'm not just gonna shake it off and and say that it was an anomaly and put him in my starting lineup.
0: Yep, completely agree. And let's let's. I, we got we have one more question. Something that was really going back forth in the IDP Discord chat. The concerns over Fred Warner and Isaiah Simmons. Obviously, both are drastically underperforming based on where you drafted him at you know, positions that you might be able to replace as well at linebacker, depending on your format. What is your level of concern for each? Like let's, let's put a, hmm, let's call it one to 10, one to 10. How are you concerned? 10 the most concerned, one the least.
1: I would say with Isaiah Simmons, I'm probably a little bit more so concerned. Uh, I would put my level of concern after his performance last year, uh, Probably like a a 7.5 or an 8, especially after uh, his snap count last week. 15 snaps is absurd. I'm not sure if there's any specific reason to the drastically low snap count or if it's just something – you almost want to think that that there was a a cause for it, you know what I mean? But uh, it just – that 15 snaps is really just unattractive. Uh, I'm not going to go out and say that we need to drop him. It might be tough to get rid of him. Uh, but really, either one, I'm more or less just kind of holding on to him. And I'm not really entirely out. Like I say, we're still really early on in the season. And this stuff can kind of work itself out with Simmons really changing his uh, position and moving back as a, into the defensive back role. I it might take a little bit of time for him to kind of get comfortable in that role. So I would sit back and be patient, but again, probably that level I'm I'm quite a bit more concerned about him moving forward than I am Fred Warner. I think Fred Warner performed too well last season for us to give up on him in week two. I think he was one of the premier linebackers last year and two Two underwhelming performances this year it is cause for concern. I would le- I would rate my level of concern probably more like a a five, kind of a middle of the road, because he still has the talent, he's still on the field, he's still logging those snaps, and I think it's really just kind of a matter of time for him to get step back into kind of what he did last year. I, I'm not really out on him yet. Again, with that, uh the capital you have in him most likely you just be patient and and uh just kind of wait and see w- another wait and see game. You know, you hate to you hate to see these yeah. uh high tier ba- or linebackers or IDP guys really kind of underperform for you. Uh but again, I wouldn't I wouldn't count Warner out. I, I'm not nearly as concerned with him as I am, I see,
0: as A Simmons. What I'm doing with Fred Warner is I I, I agree that I don't want to override because I think he's still a very good player. My concerns before the year was that they were gonna drop him in too much. I didn't exactly anticipate Fanga jumping into the box as much as he is, but that that's agree. real. That that's happening, and they're mm-hmm. not going to take him away because he is taking, making so many plays for them. So Absolutely. I'm worried about Fred Warner. I'm also worried about Isaiah Simmons because he was practicing with defensive backs in the preseason. He is kind of he's splitting his reps. It's it's just I I don't get jump losing. You know, going from 61 snaps to 15 snaps this past week, especially when you go against Darren Waller. I feel like they could have tried. Placing Simmons on Waller at times, I think that could have been a very good matchup for them, but I'm not the coach. I'm not a football, I'm not a football coach. So I I, I have equal concerns about both. The type of situation where I don't want to cut either. I'm not gonna make a rash decision there and say cut them. But I am more than willing to be streaming them with the names that we're talking about. I think I'm I am i am willing to play Cody Barden over these guys right now. You know? I'm willing to play guys that are on the wire right now that we're talking about on this show that we talked about last Mm -hmm. week. You, this is where yep. you adjust and say, listen, maybe I was wrong on my on my pick. I'm not gonna uh, you have to be watered. You have to say, listen, I spent this pick, it was great. I dropped it for everyone high in the league myself, but I'm gonna bench him until he shows me something. And if he doesn't mm-hmm. show me something, I'm gonna cut him and he doesn't hurt my active roster. But yeah, you know, you're you're avoiding that type of risk in a way. It's just you gotta be you gotta be a little bit level-headed with it. We have a question right, exactly. to come in that I love how how well worded it is from Jay Peterson. Am I sick in the head to offer Aiden Hutchinson in an early 2023 second round rookie pick for Micah Parsons?
1: Ooh. I don't know. After last week, you might get a biter, but Micah Parsons has been doing pretty pretty well this week. I personally I probably wouldn't give up Micah Parsons for Aiden Hutchinson uh, if I were going gar- if I were holding on to Parsons just because again with uh Aiden Hutchinson did have a monster week but it's weeks like that aren't sustainable and I want to see more consistency I want to see more week in week out production I don't want to see up and down production if I'm giving up Micah Parsons I want to make sure I have that safe floor that he's going to get that I'm going to be giving
0: up let me let me toss a stat at you with Aiden Hutchinson just to make this even more fun uh Aiden Hutchinson Aiden Hutchinson is the first def- uh, defensive player since two thousand two to have a three plus sack game in his first two starts. Just just to throw that out there, and I, I'm I'm not I'm not making you tilt one way or another, but he is just so fun to watch. Oh, that said, is. that said, I would also take Micah Parsons. So I would i i would try sending it why not you know yeah basically.
1: absolutely you definitely work with a shot yeah. there and if you have somebody that's not nearly as experienced as maybe yourself you might be you might get someone to bite on that especially after such a big game these are the weeks like after you you get a young guy who's performed a, a very big game like that you can cash in on on those yeah uh, on those performances sometimes and it's, it's definitely not uh, I'm not opposed to throwing out that offer and seeing if somebody can, somebody will bite on something
0: like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I do, I don't love obviously moving any 2023 picks, especially one that you think is going to be an early second, because I think that's going to be very valuable, but it's all relative to value. So mm-hmm. I, I think this is a deal. I I would not be surprised if this got accepted. Personally. Um, so I, I, I would take the microphone side though. So not second Absolutely. ahead. i say charge forward with the Jack.
1: Go for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, that is our defensive side of it. Let's move on to the offensive side of the ball. We got quarterbacks right now. The popular streaming candidate that is quarterback. So last week we had Carson Wentz, who popped off yet again. I believe that was more European accent, so congrats. He is balling out the QB3, I believe, right now. And I had forgiving Matt Ryan, which I wholeheartedly apologize to each and every one of you if you took that advice, because Matt Ryan was unwatchably bad and i i was i was wrong for that i was wrong to suggest yeah. a bounce back against the jaguars defense they got lit up our points. so I, I give yourself it, some it, credit i
1: think Pittman, pitman got ruled out after yes. we had the show
0: Pittman was a midweek injury to be fair yes i yeah. i will say that and i'll cut myself some slack there and also alec pierce i didn't anticipate missing as well but more so the Absolutely. Pittman midweek um Pittman missing definitely would have taken him off my streamer to begin with i guess so Rob, uh, number one on the wire, I, I think it's a pretty obvious name, but go for it. Take it away.
1: Uh, with Trey Lance's injury and his season now being over, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be, hands down, the most desired uh, quarterback on your waiver wire. Uh, he was the QB 16 from 2021. I don't see why he shouldn't just pick up kind of right where he left off. He's already got the rapport with his receivers, and he knows how this, off- how this offense runs. Uh, I would say, I think we talked about it before a little bit about a 10% budget bid would be pretty reasonable. I would even, you know, you could even go up a little bit, just kind of depending on, on the looks of your team. If you're a little bit more needy, don't feel bad for throwing a few extra bucks on, but he's definitely going to be the safest, uh, safest waiver wire pick at the quarterback position.
0: Yep. I, I, I completely agree. And some of that I'm actively going out for in a league where I have both Tannehill and Matt Ryan as my backups. So I need, I need another name in there. Jimmy Garoppolo is currently that guy for me. And, again, we have to remember that the weapons in San Fran are amazing. And we haven't even seen them with George Kittle yet this year, who should be back this week, God willing. Hope he's okay. Uh, just definitely love Jimmy Garoppolo there. Another name, Jared Goff. Did you anticipate, uh, Axton, that Jared Goff will be a top five Fantasy quarterback this season because that's what he is. I
1: did not. Is that where he's sitting right now? Yeah. No, I didn't expect him. I mean, he's got, honestly, he's got all the weapons in the world to be a high end, top end quarterback. It's just he's just really not much for throwing. You got guys like Derek Carr that throw for 400 yards a game, but they don't always throw touchdowns. Then you got other guys that might throw a lot of touchdowns and not get a whole lot of yardage, and that's kind of where Jared Goff was this last week, throwing four touchdowns, but he didn't hardly broke the 250 yard mark. Uh, I think that considered, I wouldn't expect this every single game. Uh, He's going to be more of anywhere from like a two to three touchdown. About 250 yards a game, kind of quarterback. Uh, but given a good matchup, I think yeah, I don't. I don't. I think you're going to see a few more of these games throughout the year. I just don't. I don't see him finishing quite as, quite as high as where he's placed right now. Yes, it,
0: definitely. I, I, I did. I did have it wrong. He's actually a top 10 quarterback. But the concept remains the same with Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. I, I do like the matchup against Minnesota. We've seen this defense get. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not out on Minnesota's defense, but they did just get destroyed by Jalen Hurts last night. Um, they could obviously contain Aaron Rodgers in week one, but Aaron Rodgers, has no weapons. I'm kind of a two plus passing attack in a way. Um, so I, I, I think it's a good matchup for Jared Goff with game script that should be in his favor with Minnesota. And the best thing is that you can play him two weeks in a row because he faces Seattle after that. And I'm fine targeting that matchup entirely. So I, I think you get two weeks to play out of Jared Goff. I think it's worth throwing a couple bucks on if you do need a starter, mm-hmm. uh, do it, any other quarterbacks you want to mention, or we can move on to one of
1: those. Uh, we can throw it out there. Uh, with the Tennessee situation we were mentioning, and their season kind of being over, you might keep an eye out on Malik Willis. Uh, seemed like the Titans were kind of giving him some reps and garbage time uh, last night. So uh, Michael and I were talking before the show, and we mentioned that we wouldn't be surprised if in the next few weeks they start throwing him in there more. And if they know their season's done, why by the end of the season, you may see him in there full time. Uh, at this point in time, though, I wouldn't go dropping a lot of uh, a lot of your budget on him if you've got the room, the roster space in a deeper league, or something. You can stash him, and just kind of get ahead of the game. Uh, you're not really losing much if you do pick him up on the low for right now. Uh, but if you if you don't have the spot, I would just go ahead and leave him on the waivers for now. But just kind of someone to keep an eye on.
0: Yep, because that rushing upside is fantastic. Let's move on to running backs, a very fun position this week, because as each each week acts, and this is going to get a little bit less fun to talk about for running backs. So uh, obviously the, the big name initially was James Conner went down. Now the injury isn't supposed to be super serious. Um, actually, I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, last week we talked with Jeff Wilson, who was the big pickup out of San Francisco that obviously smashed. So hope you guys won that waiver bit. Uh, we talked about rex burkhead which didn't totally come through damian pierce took a bigger step this week but the biggest biggest big shout out to Axton here who went pulled out pulled out the the wheelbarrow so to speak and just pulled out the jamal williams take and honestly jamal williams I, i'm loving the usage there
1: absolutely he gets those valuable touches right around the goal line and for some reason DeAndre Swift will get you about a 50 or 60 yard run just inside the 10. And they like throwing Jamal Williams in there to punch it in the end zone. So uh, definitely a, a kind of a weekly streamer if you're needy at the position. I played him in Scott Fishbowl this week, and I was fairly really happy with this with the results. So
0: yeah. So let's let's let us let 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 us talk about the uh, the actual pickups for this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Eno Benjamin Darrell Williams, just in case James Conner is not good to go. The injury is not supposed to be serious. I believe it was to his ankle. Now, they had a near 50-50 split. You know, Benjamin was splitting in with James Conner, and then all of a sudden, the second half, when James Conner got hurt, they threw in Daryl Williams, who got who was more efficient on the ground. You know, Benjamin was slightly better as, as a receiving back. All in all, I think we should weigh in that this Cardinals offense is not really that good right now. Yes, they came back and made a 20-point comeback against the Raiders, but it's really... It's a sticky situation that both guys that they're eating into each other are not going to be great. And James Conner, who was still suited up on the sideline, just didn't go back in. He's still there. And I do think James Conner is mm-hmm. still going to be good to go. So if anyone of your lead mates are trying to jump on the Arizona train, I think both of us are kind of leaning towards staying out. If I had to pick one, I'd go Eno because I think he's a better receiving back. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty hands off it entirely.
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree. Eno definitely uh, appeals more in the PPR PPR formats and I would tend to agree that if I if I if I had to choose between the two I'd probably go Eno but uh all in all I think I I agree there too that I'm just kind of avoiding that backfield besides uh, James Conner.
0: Yep. Uh let's touch on every single week sadly we have to talk with the San Francisco 49ers at running back because mm-hmm. Like Elijah Mitchell last week, who was now out for two months, we have Tyrion Davis-Price, who came in, he got a surprising amount of work. He was still third on snaps behind Jeff Wilson and Kyle Juszczyk, but he did get a decent amount of work, and now he's out for four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. So if people do want to chase the next man up in San Francisco, which is a relevant role, especially when we keep seeing them go down, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen, but At some point, there's a pattern that it's kind of worth chasing that type of upside. Jordan Mason is probably that guy. I might sound like a broken record on that. But given that he wasn't it this week, could give a glimpse to Marlon Mack, who's on the practice squad right now, who could get elevated. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a Tyler Algier type of workload from this past week. Kind of low value carries, but in the right matchup, it could work. I also would be surprised if they brought someone in because they just keep on losing. Uh, They just keep on losing. Uh, people yeah. but um yeah absolutely. and uh, and
1: those, yeah. those 49ers backs they get they get their touches too so if you know you, you find some of these guys getting involved heavily they're gonna get those they're gonna get that consistent uh involvement in the offense but that, i think we kind of touched it's pretty well jeff Wilson's backfield right now until he
0: was yes there, so absolutely uh, and also running the, back uh... we got Oh, okay. go ahead. Sorry, no, no. I was going to chime in with some unrelated, kind of related, uh, breaking news. Just that Mike Evans is going to appeal his suspension, his one-game suspension. Uh, well, the same guy that heard his appeal in twenty seventeen, who I think turned it down, is is going to uh, is is going to hear that. Go on, go on with uh, the running back take. <laughs>
1: That's interesting for sure. Uh, our last our last running back here we got j d Mckissick. He's kind of uh, just one of those weekly uh, waiver wire pickups that's always going to be involved in the passing game. And you like those <clears throat> those running backs that uh, catch passes out of the backfield. and yeah, he's not he's not getting a high amount of volume, but uh, when you're getting five to eight catches a game, he he definitely produces when he gets the opportunity. So, uh, if you're really needy some weeks, JD McKissick would be some someone to to uh that I wouldn't mind throwing in a flex spot if you really if you really need it. Again, none of these running backs are really uh sexy picks. And as you mentioned, as we get on into the year, it's really gonna get even more murky unless uh, you know, for some reason we just have a bunch of injuries or backups just come out and shine. But uh definitely consider JD McKissick if you really need a, a fill in for a week.
0: Yep. And I I, I yeah, he's just such a good pass blocker and he's so valuable to what they want to do on offense that he's always out like he's out there. He's he's gonna hover around forty percent of snaps, it's never gonna jump to hundred, but it's it's a valuable role because when he's out there, he's pass blocking it or he's running out for a route. And mm-hmm. when you're really going scrappy at running back, when you're going zero RB at running back, you lost Elijah Mitchell, you didn't get Jeff Wilson, JD McKissick's probably there for you. You could play him in a pinch. Uh, is there that, that, that's what we got for running back because that's more than enough, honestly. But, uh, wide receivers, we have a lot of names here because names, the receivers are important because last week we touched on Curtis Samuel popped off. Zay Jones had a good week. Josh Palmer had a good week. DPJ. I actually, what did, do you know what DPJ did? I actually did not check. I don't that.
1: know. Honestly, what you, <laughs> do you mind what checking you that
0: while I keep going through? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So obviously we had DPJ last week. And Jahan Dotson slash DJ Chark. Now, DJ Chark almost had a big reception that Jared Goff just missed him on, but obviously finished with a zero a day. That's disappointing. Um, but Jahan Dotson is someone I want to bring up because I I think I'm all in. I, I think I'm all in, honestly. I'm a guy that I, I liked coming out. He was very comparable to Terry McLaurin for me, actually. Um, and he's only seen 10 targets through the two games. It's five and five. And he scored three touchdowns on that thing. It, it's it's not sustainable to be averaging a touchdown a week for John Dotson. I do think Washington will eventually take a step back when they're not playing Jacksonville defense, Detroit's defense. But the usage is what I like. He played 99% of snaps this week. The Washington went into a full three-wide receiver set for the first time I think I've seen under Ron Rivera. So I I, I, I think he's just a playmaker that I really do want to be stashing or – Play stashing and playing in plus matchups because they want him to be that guy, that's why they took him so high in the matchups. And thank you for the comment there that DPJ did nothing. Um, because yeah,
1: I was just about to say he had yeah. one target, and so that that one that yeah. pick last week didn't quite, yeah. I, but it was the Mark no, Cooper I, show last week. Yeah, Marty Cooper finally came out and got like 10 or
0: 11 targets, so that's that just seems kind of how that and, how that and we we acknowledge that, ago. yeah, we acknowledged that last week as well. Was that I'm I'm interested in DPJ with Deshaun Watson. I'm not interested in DPJ with Jacob Brissett because you can get these zero point games. He can get 11 mm-hmm. targets and he can only catch five of them like he did in week one, or I think he caught less because Jacob Brissett's terrible. But, you know, it, it, the offense is going to run through the ground until, and it probably will still even with Deshaun Watson, but that's not going to change for the time being. So DPJ is really just a long term stash, which you're not doing in normal redrafts. You're just looking to pick him up later. Uh but the picks for Week Three, Axton. Let's let's jump into that. Corey Davis. I'll, I'll let you take it away because because I, I think we both like this pick.
1: Yeah, Corey Davis, wide receiver for the New York Jets. He uh, has had 14 targets in the last uh, in the first two weeks of the season. In Week One, he had six catches for 77 yards, which is I mean high volume, double digit targets. You like to see him have, he's consistently involved in this offense. And it seems to me after week one, getting high or getting that 77 yards in week two, he took a, a little bit of a downturn, uh, only getting two catches on four targets, but he had even more yards and even scored a touchdown. And I think that's kind of where Corey Davis's bread and butter is going to be this year, is he's going to be that big body that they're going to look to in the end zone. And honestly, it, just seeing 70 plus yards uh, for the first two games, at is it's encouraging uh, as far as his outlook for the rest of the season, considering Garrett Wilson also went off and Elijah Moore is a, a, a favorite in this offense, Uh but it's also kind of a, it's tricky with this offense right now, with Joe Flacco in there and knowing that, that uh, Zach Wilson's going to come back and Flacco has just kind of been going with the hot hand, you know, but it seems like through all in all Corey Davis has kind of been there getting that, uh being consistent you know as far as performance goes uh what i'm not sure that i'm sold on a start uh i feel like there might be better options out there if you're in a pinch but uh definitely somebody that you could stash if you got the roster room and he's definitely a player that can uh, come
0: out and, and produce for you if he's given the right opportunities yep i i like Corey davis because He's a perfect fit for this team that everyone was take it out. We'll get Wilson and Elijah Morgan to take over. It's not going to happen because there's real life football as well. And Corey Davis is the best blocking wide receiver they have on this team. It's perfect for what Robert Sala wants to do. It's kind of what Jawan Jennings is doing in San Fran to give the San Fran to New York comp. And Corey Davis is a quality player. So I I, I completely agree. I think you could start him with Joe Flacco. I want to wait and see with Zach Wilson because I still have my questions about him, but Really, my, my big takeaway from, from the Jets is that the sky is the limit. It, it, like the, the team's ready. If Zach Wilson is that guy, the ceiling is really high for everyone involved. Like Miami levels high. I really do believe that the coaching staff is in mm-hmm. place. The offensive line is still not great, but it's better. Um, but They should get Dwayne Brown eventually. They should get an upgraded quarterback. Tyler Conklin's a better tight end they had last year and all that. We all, we've been through it all season, but I really the Jets are on the right track uh let's talk let's talk about this second name noah brown now i i I love that you put this one down because i i've always been a a deep down fan of noah brown i think he's been a good player he's someone who's hung around on this cowboys roster for a few years now um and he saw 14 targets in the first two weeks again we talk about how targets are earned they're not given and these have been tough matchups you know The, the cowboys have played Oh my goodness! I'm having a blank right now. Obviously they they played the uh, they played help me they played the Bengals in week two obviously and week one they played um they they were, were shellacked <laughs> um the Bucks they played the Bucks Bucks yep, and then yep. the Bucks and Bengals um the Bengals mm-hmm. defense has been somewhat seedy but it's still it's supposed to be a better unit than what we we saw the Bucks unit have been Bucks is a great defense. And he's commanded those targets in that span. He put a five for nine for 68 yards in week one. He followed up for five for five for 91 and a tutty in week two. So that's that's all great. And I do project a step back for the Cowboys. I don't think they're going to be winning games with Cooper Rush too much. Um, And I do project Michael Gallup to come back. So that's kind of the interesting thing here is I, I like Noah Brown. I do think Michael Gallup will be eased back into this offense. He won't be... Jumping into an eighty percent snaps. So hmm. what are you what are you willing to put down on Noah Brown for your fab budget? Because I I, I want him in my dynasty circles. I'm not looking him in a redraft yet.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I don't know it, because it's tricky with your dynasty because I don't know how much I see. Or how far I see Noah Brown going in the future, you know what I mean? When, yeah. When everything gets kind of reset, they get all their players back and they get back in their rhythm. I I think he kind of goes back to where he was before. Uh, but with Cooper Rush uh, at quarterback and this offense is kind of just scrambling to get any kind of consistency going. Uh, at least while Cooper Rush is in there, I I really like him for a streamer. Honestly, he seems to seems to be that reliable uh, whiteout for him and even Dak. Uh, from week one for this offense and like you said you mentioned michael Gallup coming back from an aCL tear uh again like you mentioned he's probably just going to be eased back in he might have been making strides in in that pre- or in practice and whatnot but i don't uh, michael gallup's just not going to come in and just take over the show right out of the gate coming off of an, coming off an injury like that I, i'm really tempering my expectations with uh, that kind of return and especially in a
0: struggling offense yep Let's move on to tight ends last week. This was a string of hits over here, which is happy for me to see Gerald Everett was a good play. Obviously he had the, he had the bum play where he didn't run the flat route, right? And he was gassed, which was just unfortunate, but still was a decent streamer this week. Logan Thomas got himself that touchdown, had a good week. Hayden Hurst is also seeing tremendous volume. He's currently the tight end nine uh, from what I see. And it's definitely a, definitely a good play right there. So hoping we keep that going this week. The name that I want to throw out, if he's on your wire because people overreacted to week one, Dawson Knox, don't let him be. Pick him up. He's still on the field. He's still running routes. He was that close to a touchdown. And Stefan Diggs went over and stole it from him. But I'm not bitter, I swear. So let's get into the tight ends. Jawan Johnson, um, I, I could have mentioned him last week because I've been picking him up on the wires everywhere. Uh, He's got 70, 80% snaps in back-to-back weeks. He's He's running routes on all those plays, pretty much, because Adam Troutman is also getting snaps, and he is strictly blocking. Adam Troutman is not running out beyond it. John Johnson, the converted receiver, is averaging almost 14 yards per catch. Those are valuable touches. And he goes against Carolina. So Carolina has not allowed a ton to the tight end so far this season. Obviously, we have a very small sample size to do that off of. But I think the Saints can bounce back and... Put up a decent amount of points to get in the red zone, which unlike they did this week, where Juwan Johnson has been got, he's got the volume, he's got the receiving work so far. He just hasn't got the touchdown, and I think that could change this week against Carolina.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, the volume is the most encouraging part because if you know somebody's getting the ball often, you know that the touchdowns are inevitably really going to come. So definitely shooting for those high volume tight end targets. Uh, I'd say in addition to Jawan, we'd still like Everett coming off the coming off waivers. Uh, Your uh, Logan Thomas for Washington, he seems to be a favorite in the red zone. Uh, he's going to be peppered with touchdowns throughout the season. Hurst, I think he's only going to get better as the year goes. And <clears throat> uh, Joku is kind of someone to keep an eye on. I, I'm personally more in on on Nj- Joku more so when, uh, Watson returns. So later on in the year, I think he becomes a a more valuable candidate. Uh, for now, we really don't, I'm not even, I'm not going
0: to touch him for now. Honestly. Yeah. I I think it's a desperation play. If God, but man, George Kittle doesn't play again. And I'd still play Juwan Johnson over him and Juwan Johnson Mm -hmm. is a definitely on your wire right now. Um, so Mm -hmm. You probably don't need to Absolutely. dig deeper for David Joku, but he does play on Thursday, uh, which is a short week for Harrison Bryant to come back. He got kind of nicked up. who's an estimated did not practice on Monday, which they didn't actually practice because it's a short week. And it's a day after they played a football game. So we'll see how he practices on Tuesday, but the more routes for David Joku, the better. Um, and he, he saw five targets last week. I think they can beat the Steelers. The Steelers like to get mossed by the tight end. So, it's 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 there there is an upside there that i think he could be a fine start i would still play everett logan thomas hayden hurst Jawan johnson over him though so you probably don't need to dig that deep right all right absolutely let let's 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 jump into a few questions because we have a few and then we're going to wrap this up obviously go long this week but we'd like to go as long as we need to to get you guys the information you need Antonio gibson dalvin cook and debo for jamar chase keenan out and james robinson In a full PPR league, what side are you taking?
1: Jamar Chase, Keenan Allen, James Robinson, Gibson, Dalvin, Cook, and Evo. I think I like the Gibson side personally. Uh, I know that Jamar Chase has got uh, insane talent. Keenan Allen's going to give you 10 targets plus a game. James Robinson's just coming out and balling. Uh, But I'm not out on Dalvin Cook yet. Debo Samuel is a favorite target of Jimmy Garoppolo for the rest of the season. He is going to just absolutely ball out with Elijah Mitchell uh, out. He's got those rushing incentives. I think Debo is going to be a lot more involved. And I think Dalvin Cook also has better days ahead of him. Minnesota just didn't play that great last night and for the first couple of weeks. But I'm really not out on him. Uh, Same thing with Antonio Gibson. I've liked Antonio Gibson. I know there's been a lot of of hate on him with Brian Robinson being there. Uh, but I think he's just hes just too good to fade uh, completely out of that offense. He was a top 11 to 13 running back for his first two seasons in the league. He's not just going to dump off a top 15 running back for a third-round rookie pick. I, I'm not saying that Brian Robinson isn't going to get involved and get his own workload, but I think
0: that they're going to find a way to still
1: keep yep. Gibson relevant.
0: And I think the the, the big thing here, I, I would also take the Dominic Cook side because I, the usage there, I'm still very in on Dylan Cook as well. Tony Gibson has been more involved than I thought he would. Uh, but the biggest thing here is Debo, where this is Debo with Jimmy Garoppolo now, where we like the Trey Lance variable, sadly, it's gone. And that's good for Jimmy Garoppolo, or that's good for Debo, because we know what Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo are, which is fantastic for fantasy. So, And, and I, I also don't want to mess around with Keenan Allen coming on a, a hamstring injury when we talk about the equivalent talents. It's just the variables in between. So I, I would mm-hmm. take the Dalvin Cook side personally. Uh, one more question, or uh, another question coming from Marco. Uh, what should you hold on to, Danny Gray in Dynasty? I am facing that question myself in one of my leagues, uh, in the Creator League actually. Axton, and oh really, the league is not deep enough for me to hold him. So he he finally got active this week. He was a healthy scratch he week one, played three snaps, and I think he saw two targets on those three snaps for the record. So good good for him mm-hmm. there. They tried to get him the ball. It. I, I need to be, he needs your your dynasty league needs to be deep enough. Like that's a very general answer, so I'll give you a number. Like I think if you have an eighteen person bench, I could play him. If I'm at fifteen, I think that's the cutoff for me. And it always comes down to who you have available, and waiver wires are very shoddy. But I'll, I'll bring up a name, Cole Beasley, right now is going to be a hot pickup as well. We should have mentioned him at the wide receiver part. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Now now signing with the Bucks will be elevated. Uh, I would pick up Cole Beasley over Danny Gray. Uh, regardless of age, because he has that upside, and while we should have probably brought him up before, honestly, but Cole Beasley worth throwing a few bucks on because he could be, you know, he's probably going to be the wide receiver two for the Bucks this week, and mm-hmm. I don't know the role beyond that, but the slot is open while Chris Godwin's out, so I definitely did Cole Beasley is definitely someone to keep in mind. I would pick him up over Danny Gray, and Cole Beasley's on the wire, and I believe eighty percent of sleep release right now.
1: Mm-hmm. and tom brady loves those uh julian edelman kind of type wide receivers where he's gonna just run slants all over the middle of the field and make it money you, you can say a white white slot ball.
0: guys he throws to the white mm-hmm. slot guys <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> pretty yeah. much Yeah. uh but yeah I, i'm like you on danny gray uh it's really only in the deep in your deeper leagues uh that i'm really trying to roster or hold on to
0: him uh, i think there's just I need other a, options yeah. that have more potential and yeah. upside. I'll, I'll make the contingency that in that league where I'm looking at, I don't have a taxi squad available. So if I have a taxi squad, I'm willing to stash Danny Graham yeah. for yes. next year. And I think that's yeah, a 13 spot bench, and you have a three IDP on the bench. I am cutting bait on Danny Graham because I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to give you a single lick of production this year. And even beyond that, I mean, I wasn't super high on him as a prospect. I imagine most people know him just because he happened to be a day two pick so mm-hmm. i i 13 uh, 13 spot bench as you bring up right here i'm i'm cutting bait there i think you could definitely find better better players on the wire especially when you bring in IDP in that factor mm-hmm. yep absolutely all right appreciate the questions from everyone as always we're going to wrap up now because this was a super fun super fun episode we're running a little bit long so thank you guys for tuning in again be sure to follow idp guys on twitter or check out the content on on the website idpguys.org. And if you're not subscribed, why not? I mean, honestly. So check that out, all that. And, of course, subscribe to the IDP Guys newsletter. That's in my bio, in my Twitter, right over here at Michael underscore underscore Cicoli. Follow Axton at Harding underscore three for all that amazing content. He's crushing it right over there. I'm trying to always point <laughs> in the right direction. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next Tuesday. 12 p.m. Eastern, as we always are, answering your questions, giving you your waiver wire goodness. Have a good day. Good luck on your waivers. Good luck on your week three matchups. Best
1: of luck, everybody.